0: You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Mark Buchanan is a well-known Canadian Christian author of seven books and counting. He's written for years, even when he was a full-time pastor. These days, he is Associate Professor of Pastoral Theology at Ambrose, and he's still writing. In this conversation, Mark and I explore the spirituality of writing and the mechanics a lot of pastors think about writing books, and Mark helps us think through that as well. Mark also wrote the May-June 2019 cover story of Faith Today magazine, and you'll want to check that out as well, based on his upcoming book about walking and the spiritual life. If you don't receive Faith Today, email me and I'll send you a copy. You can reach me at senior editor at faithtoday.ca. I'm Karen Stiller, and I will warn you, I had a terrible cold when Mark and I spoke, but I hope you will enjoy this writerly chat.
1: Uh, Mark, you published books when you were still a pastor at a church on Vancouver Island. Your first book was Your God is Too Safe. How did you find the time to write and pastor?
2: Karen, I started writing when I was 12 and really developed a passion for it when I was 18. And I began writing out of some kind of inner necessity from particular age 18. And so when I ended up in pastoral ministry at age 29, I had already cultivated um, time and and set aside time to to write on a weekly basis. Most of my books have been written in um, cutting aside four to five hours a week. And maybe we can talk a bit more about my, my actual discipline and the, the shape of a writing day for me a bit later on in the podcast. But, but for me, it was, let me say this. I think that um, most people listening to this already have some kind of work that requires them to show up for significant stretches of time every week to do something. And if they don't show up, they don't keep their jobs. And I, for some reason at a very early age, began to treat writing even when I wasn't getting paid or published as that kind of work that I simply needed to show up for it um, and make time for it. And And I think that's really the, the key for me anyhow To During my time as a past, pastor, uh, this was part of how I understood my work. <laughs>
1: And so when you were showing up for those weekly writing times, did you have a topic that you were working on? Did you sit down and say, today I'm going to write about grace? Or like, tell me what it actually looked like, that writing time.
2: Yeah, so I um, partly because I, I really came to writing because I fell in love with story and I fell in love with language. And I, I for years, wrote and developed the craft of writing uh, more than I developed having something to say. And so, um, and, I, and I still have to be careful that I love writing so much and I love what words can do that I don't really need to have something to say, but I'll say it as beautifully as I can anyhow. So to, to answer your question, no, in, in, in a lot of the early years, I didn't have some topic that was burning in me that I felt I needed to give Uh, expression to through through the form of writing I just wanted to write which is different from probably a lot of your listeners that they have some 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 something that they care deeply about that they want to they want to write about and communicate but for me I often discover what I want to say by sitting down to try to say it
1: yeah so the love of writing was what propelled your Um, amazing discipline. I'm a writer. I talk to a lot of writers. I know a lot of writers. And a big topic of conversation among writers is how do I make myself sit down? So you, (laughs) it sounds like you nailed that really important part first.
2: I don't even know how, because it's not like I'm a disciplined person in general. Uh, But for some reason, this, the the craft of writing, uh, wanting to learn how to write well mattered to me so much that i i was willing to treat it as part of my day job without again years before anybody's paying me or or reading my stuff and so i don't know why why this particular area i'm not disciplined <laughs> i wanted to be a musician but not bad enough so i didn't discipline myself in the same way but the writing i did
1: Wow. Can you tell us how your first book came about? Because I remember, I've heard you speak at writers' conferences, and I think you talked about, if I remember correctly, 12 years of writing, and then you were an overnight publishing phenomenon. Yeah, no,
2: no, I was, yeah, indeed, uh, uh, even maybe a bit longer than 12 years to become an overnight success. So uh, when I turned 21, so 18, I began to write feverishly, and 21, I decided this is really all I want to do is write. So I went back to to school. I wasn't planning any university training, but uh, but my passion to write led me there. Ended up getting a couple degrees. Um, my early degree is in creative writing, and and so I really had this discipline, as I'm saying, very early on of writing. But so we're going back almost to 21, and I don't publish my first book. It actually doesn't hit. Uh, the press, it doesn't hit the stands until I'm 41. So that's 20 years to be a, a, an overnight sensation. Um, but the book itself, Your God is Too Safe, was about 12 years in, in, the, in the making. So back in my 20s, I had this, I taught uh, at, a, at um, a leadership training school, a, a one-week course on, on spiritual formation. And I uh, began to approach it from the perspective that a lot of us are, um, we, we, we're indifferent, we're, or not indifferent, we're, we're ambivalent about spiritual formation. We want it, we don't want it. And so what emerged out of that reflection is that a lot of us have Jonah hearts, that we're as much running from the presence of God as running to it. And I thought, well, what would a spiritual practice, spiritual formation look for people like me, anyhow, who had this ambivalence? And uh, it touched a nerve in the course I was teaching that I did every year. And when I sat down and said, is there a book in me? That was the first book that came to mind that I would write about spiritual discipline, spiritual formation for Jonah. Uh, that became Your God is Too Safe, uh, which is a whole different story about how the title came to be. But um, <clears throat> that's the origin of that book. But yeah, twelve years in my in my late twenties, I started writing that, published it in two thousand and one.
1: So, are you approached by a lot of um, fellow pastors who are interested in writing books? And if so, I'm wondering what advice you give them. Yeah,
2: many, many. And so, two things I tend to say to them: one is, are you are you is it is it about a message that you feel is really important, and people keep telling you? you know, have you written on this? Would you write on that? Um, and in which case probably that pastor has one book in them, uh, which is great get that book out. And so I, I, but I, if they're a pure writer, then they're going to write no matter what they can write about their drive to work and make it interesting. Um, but I try to sort of determine, is this being driven by some content or has this been driven by some need to express yourself in written form? Um, and then the, the, the question always comes up about discipline. Like, how do I find the time in my busy life to do it? And here's the math on that, Karen, is that um, I've set apart on a weekly basis about these four to five hours. All my writing pretty much is done on a Friday morning. So I get up usually from nine to about two o'clock, four, one or two o'clock I write uh there's a bit of a different practice if i'm i'm pushing toward a deadline on a book but pretty much all my my books got written in that 5 hour 4 or 5 hour slot on a friday what i say is that you know your average book is what 220 pages if you can produce in that 4 to 5 hours four pages every week you just do the math basically you you can crank out a, a book in a year and it's not that difficult if you set aside time and you show up for it like a day job. So you're not waiting for the muse to come and tickle you and and woo you, but you're you're showing up like you you have to frame a house or something and you you buckle down, and you start doing it. It might be bad writing, but you you do what you can in that time allotted. Then you actually can get that book from conception to completion in roughly in about a year. And and most people, once they sort of do the math and that, and then they may not necessarily set aside, you know, a block of time like that. But they say, yeah, I can, you know, I get up every morning really early, or my wife wants to go to bed, or my husband wants to go to bed before I do, um, and I, I restless, and I watch Netflix, and that's not helping me. But I could easily find an hour every day and produce one page in that hour. Again, do the math, and that's a book in a year.
1: Yeah. Wow, give give me that in a word count. I tend to think in word count. So on a typical Friday, um, what? How many words are you writing, or is there fifteen hundred? Fifteen hundred. Okay, interesting. So when you meet um, these pastors, and I think a lot of clergy do think about writing a book eventually, because you know they're big thinkers and they're big readers typically, and they're invested in the gospel. Obviously, Um, are you? do you encourage them to go for it? Like just try to do that daily or sorry, weekly writing time. I mean, it is hard I, to be published. That's the truth.
2: Incredibly hard. And and maybe we can talk a bit about that later, but uh, yeah, I absolutely do because one of the things that I discovered and um, early in my writing life before I had any possibility of being published or nobody, but, but my wife and, my wife was interested (laughs) in reading it and I had to resolve the issue. Why am I writing this? If there's no promise that anybody will ever read this and uh, it'll ever be published or publishable, anybody will pay me for it. And I I began to realize this is actually part of my, my devotion. It's part of working out some, something uh, important to who I am. So again, whether it's uh, for me, it was being a writer, but for many people listening, it'll be. I believe I have this message. Well, is it enough, even for those who feel I have a message, to write that message and write it well, even if it has very few readers? Uh, and for me, I had to resolve that fairly early in my writing life that it would be enough to make this an act of worship, as something I did unto the Lord, and if no one else ever benefited from it, that I had it was it was a necessary part of my formation and my devotion. And so I, I, think that I, so I always encourage if somebody really, really senses they have a book in them. I, I, I say, write it, uh, get all the help you can in terms of good editing. Uh, Karen, I, I, I read recently a book that you have coming out on, on the, the fruit of your, your editing, um, skills and, and experience. It's gold. And so read that stuff, get really good input from other readers that would take the time to look at it and critique it. But even if it's for the sake of, of here's something I did because I felt this message was so important or my need to write it was so, so uh, forefront, I think that's worth doing.
1: Tell me about reading, the role of reading. Um, it's been a huge... Impact in my writing life, and actually more and more. In fact, I, I find I write better after I read well. Yeah, and I wondered if you could talk about that.
2: Yeah, very much. I've um, I actually discovered writing, or rather reading, as a as an outflow of my wanting to write. I so wanted to write that I wanted to get down to the writing, and didn't want uh, to be you know take up that time that I could write with with reading, but. Um, and, and, and interestingly in my early, when I was in the writing school at UBC, I had one professor who was so intent on in us developing our own style and voice that he really, really discouraged us from reading other writers. He said that we would pick up their voices and it would, it would, uh, would do, become imitative. And, uh, so the early years was about writing, but I, I realized, uh, a, um, it, it wasn't that greater writing and partly because I wasn't testing it against and, and being shaped by and influenced by great literature. And also it starts to sound, I, I, I got in a rut. and I think most writers will get into a rut and they'll have a very narrow range of what they can do. And so for me, the reading and reading widely uh, in, in terms of both subject matter, but also styles of writing, has been very very important so when I'm reading something in um you know that's more poetically or lyrically rendered uh, that has a huge influence on me because i I like to write in a more lyrical form but it's very important for me to also read somebody who's maybe dealing with the same concepts but writing in a in a more philosophical or uh you know a plain historical approach to it because then I it will t- that will help tame some of my tendencies to get carried away with simply the beauty of the prose
0: yes
1: yeah when i started writing like articles years ago i would avoid even that i would avoid finding out what what had been written previously and now it's like absolutely the first thing i do <laughs> is read other writers and it always helps me
2: I mean, I think every writer is asking this question: Does this need to be written? Is it has somebody already done it so brilliantly that there's a need for me to sit down and and tackle it? And uh, my answer to that is maybe not. Maybe maybe this book is such a, a superb expression in in this moment of our culture that you can now go explore something else to write about because you you can just point people to that book. But the other thing is that. Again, coming back to what I said earlier, sometimes we need to write something simply because we need to write it. And whether or not that has a, a huge reading audience or not, it, it's satisfying and meeting some profound need, often mysterious need that we have. So sometimes it's worth writing about anyhow. But coming to your point, to have some awareness, I, I have a book coming out this summer on walking. And so I read everything I get my hands on. I'm walking, and uh, I mean one of the good things is I realize the book I'm doing is different from anything else that has been done. But it also uh, there's a few places in my book where I say so and so does this way better than me, and I highly commend their book. It's brilliant. And if you're wanting, you know, somebody to address this aspect of walking, I, I'm, I'm just go and check them out.
1: Well, the other lovely part of that is it's writing as part of an ongoing conversation. And I, I really like that, too, when you're interacting with other authors and other material that's already out there.
2: Yeah, entirely. And it's a living and the dead. But even one of the writers uh, who's written a brilliant book on walking, another Canadian author, I got hold of him. And I just to say how much I liked this book, and we had a bit of a back and forth about it. But I, it did feel like, yeah, this is, a, this is a community of people who have thought about this, have tried to express it in words. And I felt that, because generally, Karen, I mean, you know, as a writer, how solitary this life is. You shut yourself in a little room, you make yourself a pot of coffee, you try to reduce all the noise around you, um, and you get inside your head, you, you know, after getting the, the, the solitude of space and you crawl up inside your little brain and try to try to write something so there's a a profound solitariness uh you know almost solipsistic it's almost like we're the only people in the universe when we do this and to, to sense that no actually we are joined with a great cloud of witnesses living and dead who have thought about these things and are informing us Um, I mean, one of the beautiful things about reading other writers, and I do it a lot in in, um, the book coming up, is just fantastic quotes from other people's books. And they say it way better than I could possibly say it, so I simply drop that in, as so-and-so says, da-da-da. And so there's a sense that each book is is, um, not only a reflection of that conversation, but perpetuating it.
1: Tell me about the moment, Mark, when you've done all of this work. You've done all the editing and revision and all of that stuff. You've helped choose the cover, maybe, and then your book arrives in the mail, and you hold it in your hands. Is your life perfect for a moment?
2: Forever. I, I mean, it's like it's, it's you know I become a different person and never go back. No, actually, it's uh, that great thrill is about thirty seconds, um, and then and then you I, I become just a sort of. Uh, feeling incomplete and inadequate as I always did and feeling I'm fraught. And so I published a bunch of books. I got some more in the pipeline and I don't know if I'll ever get to the point where I really feel like I'm the real deal. Um, And so part of of my formation as a Christian writer has been what all of us find, whatever our vocation or our avocation is, of continually nurturing the sense of I'm a child of God. I'm loved not because of the things I do or the accomplishments I attain, but I'm loved because God is a good and loving and good and kind father. And so, but book writing for me has actually forced that upon me because I honestly was under the delusion in the first few years of publishing that when I got that shiny cover and and my first books were embossed, if you can believe that, you don't see that very often anymore, but you know where 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 the actual title is Bumpy? yeah oh I mean it was like it was sensual I, you know ran my fingers across the, the embossed title and for honestly for, for for 30 seconds I had won the lottery I had won the great Cup I'd won the Stanley Cup whatever other cups and things I, I had it all and then it, it began to realize oh um, I've stood at the pinnacle of Everest and now I got to go down the mountain and and I got to try to get back up some point again. And so for, for me, um, I, I, not to dissuade or discourage anybody who's in the publishing process or aspiring to it, but I would, I would uh, roundly say, and, and I think this is not just my experience, but I think most writers, I mean you're a published author, would attest that um, if you're looking to define yourself or find your worth in publishing stuff, then, um, that's, that's the book of Ecclesiastes. That's looking for, um, for some kind of value and some kind of meaning in something that is not going to hand it to you. It might be a good thing, but it's, that's not what your, your worth and value and identity rests on.
1: I'd like to ask you, along those same lines of, I guess, the spiritual formation of a writer, uh, anyone who tries to get a book published today the traditional way will hear the word platform, and of course, publishers want to know, you know, how many Twitter followers you have and how many people visit your website and all that stuff, and I I think there's some spiritual uh, landmines in there, Mark, and I'm wondering if you could speak to that, like the focus on platform and how we contend with that as Christian writers.
2: Karen, I'm so glad you asked this. I, I have uh, I have my eighth book coming out this summer, and I am still and 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 some of them have sold quite well. Uh, my publisher still wants all that information: how many Twitter people do I, you know, Instagram, all that sort of stuff. And so it's become so much part of the landscape for publishing. I get it. I mean, that has become the the form of publicity and marketing for the most part with just about everything the the landmine that you speak of is i i think uh with all uh all forms of of social media that we begin to measure ourselves by by the number of followers and how many likes and how many people are following etc and um and and it, and it really is especially dangerous for a writer because again a writer tends to have be this solitary creature who uh cares about the language cares about the craft cares about uh, telling a story well economically vividly all of that, and the marketing side of it tends to um, pull us away from from that deliberate caring for for language and story etc and so i um i I really I mean, I don't know what to do because I'm caught up in that world too. And there's an expectation the publisher has of me to make sure that I'm promoting myself adequately in in those places and writing blogs, et cetera, to keep up a readership. Um, I would say similarly in terms of what I I said about um, the the need to publish or the longing to publish that I – try very much to not let my sense of worth and and identity get caught up in my popularity in in a social media arena. The other thing for me is my wife is um, much better at navigating all that than I am. And so she, she, she helps me with it. And, and I would say to writers, if that's not, you know, if that's not part of the wheelhouse, you probably have a nephew or someone in your household or a friend nearby that, that it is, and uh, to solicit their aid um, in in helping you get savvy with that or or doing doing some of the legwork with, with for you, and that would be um, that's the way I've gone.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's good advice. How about hanging out with other writers, Mark? Um, do you <laughs> enjoy doing that?
2: I do. I. I, uh, I mean, I'm such an introvert, and I mean, I even have a problem. Karen, this this last book that I I just handed to the publisher about a, a month ago, I I don't show it to anybody until I'm ready to turn it to the to the editor, and then I'll turn it over to a few people at that same time that will give me feedback on it. But it's it's, uh, and I'm not commending that. It, it's part of my solitariness. It's part of my. Introversion. It's part of maybe a bit of my perfectionism around the writing that I don't want you to see, you know, the, um, an unpolished version of this thing. So for me, I I haven't cultivated the relationship with other writers at the at the level I should. I do uh, in the last couple of years. I've I've led writing retreats for. Um, the people at all levels of writing and uh, and we'll work with them in large groups and then a one-on-one. And I've really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed the company of other writers. Um, I've enjoyed the times you and I've had conversations, Karen. So it's not like I don't value it and see the the importance of it. I have have done, uh, um, yeah, alarmingly little to pursue it.
1: Well, I will have to keep seeking you out. (laughs)
2: thank you yeah keep calling me out of my little hidey hole
1: (laughs) mark um where can people find you online speaking of platform and followers and readers
2: uh probably the best place is mark and that's my website uh there's some other links to that um uh i have also have a, a podcast called faith effects which I do with a colleague, Bernie Vandewall. But that's not so much about writing, but it's about, uh, it's a conversation about uh, theology and life.
1: Wonderful. And I will say um, that our Faith Today, May, June, 2019 cover story is written by Mark about uh, and touches on the topic of his upcoming book on walking. So we're really excited for that. Thank you, Mark.
2: I'm honored. Thank
1: you.
0: Thanks for joining us. Been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.